Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they're investing and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate. From co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Ready to Scale. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host, broadcasting from sunny California. So today I want to talk to you about how to raise capital during COVID. And I know that raising capital can be a little bit daunting to some sponsors, especially during COVID. There's a lot of, you know, there are many doubts and a lot of questions around whether can sponsors actually raise capital. So the first thing that I want to say is that you shouldn't decide for investors. Not everyone is afraid or concerned about investing or investing in real estate, even during COVID. And that's a very, very important thing that I wanted to start the episode with because many investors have been burned from the stock market and they're looking for a very solid investment and real estate is just it. Many other investors, they understand that the alternative is just to keep their investments in the bank, keep their money in the bank, and that way they're not going to make any money. And so especially if you do have a track record of leading investments, performing before or during COVID, then most likely you're going to be just fine raising capital. But remember, many investors are still looking for investments. And I know that because a lot of my investors and new investors are asking me, okay, Ellie, when is the next deal? And that tells me that there's appetite, you know, for new deals, that there's need to invest. Probably March and April, where everything just, you know, started, many investors decided to sit on the sidelines and kind of see what happens. But since then, A, we kind of got used to this crazy reality. And B, we see that the economy is not doing great, but it's still manageable. We understand the implications of COVID. And three, you know, many investors had the chance to see how their other investments are performing during COVID which means that they see that, you know, the sky is not falling and it's definitely possible to make money even during COVID. So I just wanted to start with that and just encourage sponsors to keep raising capital and close deals and not be afraid because there are still investors that are looking for deals. It might not be as quick of a raise as it was before COVID, but it's still going to be okay if you find the right investors, and if you keep performing, if you're performing right now, then most likely your investors are going to trust you with the next deal. Now, before I'm going to touch on what you should do when you're basically raising capital to make sure you do it the right way, I just, I think one of the most important things is to have an open communication with investors and adjust their expectations. And that's something I've done with all my investors, even before I had a deal during COVID, just to make sure they understand 
that we should not be expecting the same returns like we have been projecting and expecting prior to COVID. And the reason is that, you know, normally we don't expect to have a continuous rent growth. We're not expecting a normal 70 to 75% leverage on loans. Right now we're talking about 55 to 65%, maybe 68, 70 if you're lucky. So if you just take only those two things, then, you know, the returns are compressed because this is just how underwriting works. It's not the same. It's a different world. And if you're okay with slightly lower returns, then you should be fine. But the goal is, and the main thing is to have an honest and open communication with investors. So pre-COVID, we were looking at 8 to 9% cash on cash. Now we're looking at 7 to 8% cash on cash. And I tell investors, you shouldn't be tempted by deals that promise 10% cash on cash. That's too good to be true. It was before COVID and it definitely is during COVID. This is a deal that I would highly suspect that something is wrong there. Either underwriting hasn't been done well, or it's very aggressive or just in a wrong part of town where if everything goes well, you're being very, very nicely compensated for taking a huge risk. So just adjusting the expectations is, I think that alone is key when you're raising capital during COVID. Now, when it comes to raising capital, I think the key thing to do is, like I mentioned, be honest, be transparent, talk about you know, the returns and why we're adjusting the returns and why expectations should be different than how they were before COVID. It's a different world. By definition, you cannot have the same return. They're still good. I mean, 7% is pretty good when we're hitting 20%, 13% unemployment, when the world economy is kind of, a, you know, in a turmoil. I would say 7% cash on cash every year, growing your money 7%, you know, every year, that's pretty good. But it's not as good as it was before COVID. But again, this open communication is very key. And if you as an investor don't feel comfortable with 7%, it's not good enough for you, then don't invest. But know what are the risks and what are, you know, generally speaking, what is acceptable, what we see in the market today. Now, as a sponsor, when you're raising money for a deal during COVID, one of the most important things you can do is to address concerns that investors may have and don't wait for them to raise those concerns. So when you're creating the investor package, when you basically have a very nice presentation with pictures and all the business plan and a display of the performa and returns, address the elephant in the room. Don't treat it like a normal day in the office, we have another deal and that's what we're going to do with the property and that's why it's going to be successful. But talk about those things because if you're not going to write it down or talk about it with investors, it's not going to go away. It doesn't mean that they don't think about it. So for instance, a good thing to address either when you speak to investors or when you put it in the email you send them or in the investor package is how the property performed during COVID. Even if it didn't perform well, but you have a plan and you say, hey, before COVID, the delinquencies for what we call bad debt was 3%. 
and now it's 7%, but we have a plan and we have a strong property management company and we can lower the bad debt. And that's why we're getting the property at a 3% discount and we're going to push the income because we're going to take care of this bad debt. This is the plan. We're going to do one, two, three, four. Then it's a strong case to actually explain how did the property perform during COVID and how you're going to fix it. Or, you know, if the property has been performing very well, obviously, you know, it goes without saying, you want to address it in order to make sure that investors are comfortable with it. If the occupancy is high, if collections are high, it's something you definitely want to address. Another thing that I would basically proactively address is what happens if we can't raise rent? What happens if occupancy drops? What happens if collections are going to drop? You got to show the, if not the full sensitivity analysis, I'm going to talk in a second about that, at least show what you expect to happen and what's your plan if it's not going to happen. Because you want to put investors at ease. You want to make them feel comfortable with the investment. When it comes to, you know, sensitivity analysis, it's basically an analysis that shows how the returns are changing if something happens. So for instance, if you, for instance, expect occupancy to be at 95%, a sensitivity analysis can show you what happens to your projected 7% cash on cash every year if the property is now only 90% occupied, how that changes things. And so I would definitely address something like that. If not, you don't have to show the entire sensitivity analysis, but say, hey, we are going to break even only if occupancy is going to drop to, let's say, 70%. So think about this. If you're buying a 100-unit apartment building, that means that 30 units are vacant. And that's a pretty, I would say, extreme scenario because people still need to live. It's not a restaurant's occupancy that people just stop going because they're scared to catch COVID. People need a place to stay. And we haven't seen a dramatic drop in occupancy, on the contrary. And so just talking about those scenarios, what happens if we can raise rents like we project? So if the property, for instance, if in this deal you are projecting rent increases of 3%, show what happens if you can only increase rents by 1% or 2%. So one thing I like to do in my deals is basically looking at market research and market data. And we have access to those softwares that we pay a lot of money for. And basically, we know what is the projected rent increases year over year. So even with COVID, some markets are still strong that the projected rent increases can be even 4%. Or 5%. And so what we would do is go and assume 0% rent increases during the first year, maybe 1%. And this is something I definitely want to talk to investors about and say, hey, market data shows that this sub-market is supposed to increase you know, in rents by 3%. We're using 0% because we are conservative. And if we can't raise rents, then this is how much we're going to make. So your 7% cash on cash is going to be 6% cash on cash, for instance. Talk about those things because investors 
guess what? They're thinking about those things, even if they don't tell you. They're thinking about, wait, what's going to happen if occupancy drops? What's going to happen if you can't collect enough to cover for your expenses? What happens if you can't raise rents the way you say you would? So don't let them answer those questions because sometimes the answer is going to be, I don't think the sponsor can do it. This is risky. I'm not going to invest. Just say it. Just explain the risks and what's your plan to deal with it. And I think investors are going to appreciate your openness and your open communication and basically your plan. Investors love to know what the plan is. So really just, I think it's, it's pretty clear what I'm saying here, to address concerns you think that most investors are going to have. And most of those concerns are what I voiced just from my experience, you know, raising capital and speaking with investors for years now. These are some of the things that I would do. You know, another thing you can do is basically talk about what's the worst case scenario. A break-even analysis is something you can also use to show what's the worst case scenario. The break-even analysis basically tells you at what occupancy level you are breaking even. So your income equals expenses. You're not making money, but you're not losing money. You don't need to pay out of pocket. And so if you have something around 50%, 60%, that's a pretty good break-even occupancy because having your 100 units apartment building half vacant, that's a zombie apocalypse kind of scenario, which I don't think we're going to see. Well, I mean, I may be wrong. We don't know, but it doesn't seem like a reasonable scenario. And so if you show that, if you talk about it, that would make investors feel more comfortable because they know, okay, if the property is half, you know, empty, only then we're breaking even, the likelihood that that would happen is very low. So I feel comfortable investing. That's basically what I mean by being open and communicative. That's a great way of basically raising capital during COVID, adjusting expectations, voicing concerns, and not only obviously their concerns, but what are you doing to mitigate the risk? What's your plan? What are the numbers? And, you know, obviously I tell that to my investors, no investment is 100% certain. If this is your last $50,000, don't invest. And I've turned down, you know, investors that had, you know, 50 or $100,000 and that was the only money they had and they were very nervous to invest it. I don't want any nervous investors. And investors, some of them are nervous during COVID. But again, there's a way to make them feel comfortable. And I think, you know, if you do all the things that, or at least some of the things that I'm suggesting, it's going to be much, much easier for you to raise capital. The last thing that I would say is that we are offering investors two tiers of investments, which you can implement as well. And that's also going to help you raise capital during COVID. Basically, we have two tiers of investors, class A and class B. So class A is getting 9 to 10% cash on cash, which is pretty good. They're the first ones to get the money from the rents. But the reason why they're getting the 9% cash on cash, and actually 10 is a little bit higher, so I would say 9, is because they don't participate on the back end on the sale. When we sell the property, it doesn't matter about how much we're going to sell it, what profit we're going to you know, make. They're not participating. They're only getting cash flow from rents. Now, second in line is Class B. And Class B 
is getting 7% cash on cash and they're getting paid after class A has been paid, but they're getting their share from the sale of the property three, four, five years down the road. So during the first years, while we're holding the property, their check is smaller because they're getting 7% versus 9%. But then they're getting a big check at the end. And so overall, they're going to make more money, but it's going to take more time for them to actually make it because when we sell the property, they're going to get their big check. So that way, you know, making sure that investors have that flexibility, that's going to help you raise capital because you're basically, you're addressing two types of investors. Those who don't want to take risks, they don't want to bet on how much you can sell the property in five years. They want a little bit higher cash flow. These are the class A investors. Class B, they're saying, hey, I'm okay. I know how to, you know, invest in those deals. I'm okay taking a little bit of risk and wait to get, you know, a big check at the end. And these are class B. And we also offer investors the opportunity to invest in both classes. So maybe you invest $50,000 in class A and $50,000 in class B or $25,000 in class A and $75,000 in class B. And that way you're kind of balancing out the risk a little bit. So, you know, being flexible and being open to make some changes in the way that you run your syndication business, that could be another way that will help you raise capital during COVID. And there are other ways that you can be flexible. Obviously, we also offer preferred returns, which helps investors feel more comfortable because we say we are not going to participate in the profits from the rents until you guys are getting paid. Class A, you get your 9%. Class B, you're going to get your 7%. And then and only then, if there's anything left, we're going to get our cut from the profits. And if not, we're not going to get paid from the profits. And we're just going to move to the next year and see if there's anything left. So the fact that you are waiting for investors to get paid first and only then you're participating in the profits, I think that builds a lot of credibility. And that would help you raise capital during COVID as well. So just to sum it up, these are the three things we talked about today. First of all, adjust investors' expectations and let them know that when you we're underwriting deals now, we're conservative, things have changed, so they shouldn't be expecting the same returns that they were used to see before COVID. The second thing, as I mentioned, just address their main concerns and how you are going to mitigate the risk and take care of this concern. And third is be very flexible and offer different ways for them to feel comfortable investing with you. That's it for today, guys. I hope that that was helpful for at least some of you. Don't forget, you can listen to the episode where I'm going to be here next week. And I have a little bit of a you know, small request before I go. If you like my podcast, if you think that the content is valuable to you, it would mean the world to me if you can go to iTunes and leave me five stars and review. So, you know, the more popular the podcast is, the more listeners are going to have access to this information. And, you know, me and my team, we put a lot of effort into it. And I'm always, always happy to share my knowledge. And I get a lot of, you know, calls and also emails saying, hey, thank you for putting this content out there. And I really want more people to hear what I have to say, because I think at least for some people that's, you know, beneficial and that can help them, 
either grow their syndication business or become better investors, more informed, more sophisticated investors. They know what to look for and they know what to ask their sponsors. So again, just if you can leave me a review or five stars, and if you have, you can also, you know, send me some feedback or questions. If you have a question you want me to address, you can email me to Ellie at ellieperlman.com. That's it for today, guys. Be bold, be great, and keep moving forward. And I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.